the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. It is Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network, and uh, very happy you're here. Very happy. So many of you reached out over the weekend with uh, good thoughts. Thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I kind of keep everything quiet. Stuff like that is quiet in my life. Just because. But I appreciate those of you who sent good thoughts. More than I will tell you. So um, glad you're here. Glad you're a part of it. Phones are open. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. I know some of you saw that I tweeted out Sunday's cover of the New York Post, which... Uh, had a very clever take on the Bill de Blasio speech in in uh, Hamburg. No, he wasn't addressing the G20. No, de Blasio wasn't the featured guest at a G20 awards ceremony. No, the New York City mayor was there to address a bunch of protesters. He was there to essentially throw progressive gasoline on the fires of discontent. So when the New York Post came out with its cover with a picture of de Blasio and said Deutsch bag, um, yeah, I thought that was pretty good. I thought that was wonderful, as a matter of fact, as New York City has the Familia family in mourning after the officer was killed as she sat in her police car, assassinated, if you will, and uh, leaving, leaving kids behind, twins, 12-year-old twins, not going to have mom, and another hero is gone from the NYPD, and de Blasio has decided he needed to be overseas. So the New York Post, not a surprise that they called him a Deutsch bag. Very clever. But what did surprise me is that the, the New York Daily News, a very, very liberal publication, the New York Daily News came out and said... Um, he was terrible for doing this, too. The subheadline reads, Blas romps around Germany as city's problems simmer. But the big headline on the article, buried on page 8, not on the front page the way the Post did, but they still gave it to him pretty good, said, Mein Dumkopf. So, Daily News, you get a half a point on that. You get a B-. minus. Actually, pretty brave of a... a Democrat-based paper in New York City to go after this gigantic progressive jack wagon. Much more I could have called him. Uh, we were talking earlier about um, about goats being a problem. Uh, I'm a fan of goats. I happen to think goats are great creatures. I think goats are are um, a wonderful addition to. If I could have goats here in the in the woods of Arden, Delaware, I would have goats on the property, but the city won't allow it. So uh, no goats here. But uh, there, there is an area where a union is having a problem with goats. There is a, a problem 
that goats are taking jobs away from people. Seriously. I'm not kidding you. A union in Michigan is up in arms, furious, saying that a bunch of eco-friendly goats are stealing their jobs. They're taking jobs away from good, hard-working union people. These goats have got to go. Seriously, we're talking about goats. The local 1668 of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, they have they have sent in a formal protest after Western Michigan University hired 20 goats to work full time this summer on the 15 acre campus woods, which uh, they've got a problem here. The woods have poison ivy and probably some other vines growing invasive species, they say. So. The the school said, well, let, let's uh, let's do the wise thing here. Let's put some, let's turn some goats loose on these 15 acres and see what they can do. First of all, I guess I guess the goats don't have a problem eating the poison ivy. I know that you or I picked up that poison ivy and or consumed it. I'm betting it would be a problem. And certainly I know a little bit about poison ivy here in the woods because in in some of my work in my own garden, I've I've gotten a lot of poison ivy issues, and it's not fun. The school spokesman said uh, we were worried about the people. We were worried about the people would would uh, be be having a problem with the removal of of the poison ivy, and we didn't want anyone to get poison ivy on on themselves. Now plus. Do you want to guess uh, the cost savings here on using using goats to clear 15 acres of land versus using union labor to clear 15 acres of land? Hmm. Um, the goats do it for about 20% of the cost that the union people would do it. And let's let's also remember that they won't be using any carbon-based vehicles to remove the stuff. So they won't be driving around the 15 acres with tractors and or mowers or mulchers or whatever they're going to need. And they won't be using herbicides, so they're not going to be polluting the ground or the water in the area. So how is this not a good thing? How is this, how is this not common sense? The company that provides the goats is called Munchers on Hooves. Munchers on hooves. They say, look, our, our, our employees, and I'm sure they're using uh, air quotes, our employees require very little maintenance and they are more envio- environmentally friendly. The goats are uh, also, they were projected to do, do the job in X number of days. And uh, bad news for the union here, the goats are ahead of schedule, I guess, It's almost too good. The comedy writes itself. The unions are complaining that goats have taken the jobs of hardworking men and women who are part of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. The goats ahead of schedule, of which the, the editorial that I read this in responds by saying, a rare feat for organized labor working on a public project. 
Uh, somebody, I, I wonder where PETA is on this. I wonder if it's okay for PETA. Is it okay to make goats work like this? And, and in the case of this, this crew of 20 goats working to clear a 15-acre campus of invasive species, do the goats get 1099 or do they actually have taxes taken out? It's, it's a wonderful story. I'm not kidding. Western Michigan University, a state school, has a formal complaint issued against them by a local union. Why? Not because they're hiring non-union labor. Well, in a way they are. But these are non-human labor. These are goats that are doing the jobs that the union wanted people to do. But, you know, why, why should we be unhappy that a school, a state-sponsored school, is saving money and is ahead of schedule on something that makes just great sense? So, uh, Western Michigan University, congratulations to you. And uh, what are they? Local 1668. Come on, guys. You're not, you're not really telling me this is serious. You're not, you're not really being serious about this story, are you? I guess, I guess they are. Now, what should we do? What could we do in this case? I think we wait and see what happens after these goats finish up their work on this 15 acres, clearing, the, clearing all the stuff out of there. And then I think we start sending at least these 20 goats, if not more, to Congress. I'd like to see what they do cleaning up the area around D.C. Just imagine what those goats could do. Seriously. When we get back, uh, I mentioned, I mentioned the, uh, the running with the bulls. And, and thankfully, somebody who's got a better memory than I remembered it was uh, Dave. Dave from Illinois who had called in, one of our trucker friends, Kelly remembered and said, yeah, that was Dave. He ran with the Bulls when he was in his early 40s. And he said he'd go back if you'd go back. No, I'm not going running with the Bulls. And if you want to know why or why not, come back after the break. I'll explain next on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Before I get to the running with the bulls, I need to remind you of um, the great deal that I took advantage of. 1995 for three weeks of the Quick Start Pack for Relief Factor. I've had problems with my knees and my back and my neck and my hips for the past year, and I thought I was on a fast track to. Knee replacement, maybe even hip replacement. No matter what, it was diminished lifestyle. And um, I was introduced to Relief Factor by Brad Staggs and then by Doc Thompson. And I tried the three-week quick start pack. It's an all-natural package of a combination of things like turmeric and fish oil. 
that are anti-inflammatory. They are, they are in my case, miracle workers. It, it helped me reduce the inflammation that was causing the severe pain in my knees. Now, it doesn't all go away, but I'll tell you what. I'm, I'm playing golf. I've, I've got a sunburn because I walked so much golf this weekend, and I'm out in the garden more. And I'm taking the new puppy for walks virtually every day when it's not raining. And I did it because I take Relief Factor at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's prepackaged. The three-week quick start kit is the easiest way to do it. Three weeks worth of Relief Factor. It's $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com and, and see, see it for yourself. Or pick up the phone and talk to one of their advisors. The phone number is 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It is Relief Factor. I do use this stuff. It has made a huge difference in my life. And for those of you asking, yes, I still am without any pain medication, over-the-counter prescription, whatever, since day eight. And that was in early April. So check it out, Relief Factor. Um, last week we talked to Dave in Illinois about running with the bulls because I'm, I'm watching this and on day one of running with the bulls, there were three people gored and, uh, those people of those people, two of them were Americans. And I thought I did a little research on this to see who the hell would put them in, in harm's way like that. And Dave said he did it. Of course, it's been romanticized. Thank you, Ernest Hemingway. And, um, Thank you. The sun also rises. If you had to read it in school, you know what I'm talking about. But a lot of people have said, yeah, we we had to do it. It's on a bucket list. And Dave explained, Dave, who did this and had the close calls himself, said that um, these bulls can run pretty fast, up to like 35 miles an hour. So we read the story of a guy from Chicago, my hometown, who's doing nothing Nothing to help the image of Chicago. And he got gored uh, back in 2014. He's been, he's been in Pamplona, I think, the past 12 years. But in 2014, he got gored twice in the thigh, through one side of his leg and then the other. He spent 11 days in a hospital. And for the next two months, Mr. Hillman from Chicago needed a cane to help him walk. Now, if, if I've been doing this for 10 or 12 years and I get gored and I spend 11 days in a hospital and then I need a cane for two months to walk, guess what I'm not doing ever again? I'm not going to put myself in front of those damn bulls, 1,200 pounds of beef running at you. Well, Mr. Hillman decided... Uh, he had to get back and run. He had to do it. He said, it's part of my dream. And this year, this year, there's a film crew with him as he's part of some documentary called Fiesta Pamplona. He's, he's going to be in the foreign runner section of the documentary. Now, sorry to say that he's also going to be in the news in a lot of places because... Uh, he was gored again over the weekend. And uh, Bill Hillman is his name, the author, uh, who has, has been doing this for the past dozen years. 
he said that he was running and a bull named Sentito. First of all, you know the bull's name? I guess you could identify him and hope he's been turned into steak. Well, we know what happens to the bulls at night anyway. Yes, they do end up not being able to run again. But uh, Sentito jabbed one of its horns into um, Mr. Hillman's buttocks and then tossed him in the air a few feet. Hillman claims he managed to land on the ground pretty decently. And then he turned around and the bull was back on him. And he said, at the last second, these are Hillman's words, at the last second, he shot me straight up in the air. The horns just went in in a really weird way and he gored me. Is there a non-weird way for the horns to go inside you, sir? I'm just wondering. Just wondering. The 35-year-old guy says he went into shock, which blunted the pain. And he walked to where the... the um, doctors and and medical assistants were he said he didn't really know he was gored because his pants weren't ripped but the the encounter somehow managed to pull his pants down and the horn rammed through the guy's underwear into the lower part of his hind quarters according to hillman when the medics pulled his pants down quote there was blood everywhere close quote He also added he avoided serious injury because the horn came near but not into his rectum and avoided narrowly hitting his testicles. They they said he needed to go to the doctor because the wound was so deep. Now, he spent 36 hours in the hospital. This is from Saturday to uh, the end of, I guess, the end of business on Sunday. 36 hours in the hospital, doctors put them back together, and they apparently have inserted a small tube to allow the wound to drain, and he's able to sit and walk. Uh, I'm checking the news all day, because why? Because Bill Hillman said, I'm really in love with the Bulls, and I'm really in love with the culture, so it's almost an impossibility that I would stop. I'm a daredevil at heart. It's just who I am. He was planning on being out there again, running with the bulls. You know, those those people I said who have too much money and spent $9,000 on spinners. Um, I'm going to take that back. I, I, I see this guy spending money on, on this every year for 12 years. And now you've been gored twice in the last three years. And you're going to go back out today. Are you not going to be happy until you're one of the casualties? And I'm talking about one of the casualties that comes home in a bag. I guarantee you this guy is not married. And I guarantee you that if the film crew was not there, he would not be out there again running with the bulls. Not a smart guy. He should be celebrating Pina Colada Day and not picking up the pieces of his wounded self as he stumbles through the streets of Pamplona. When we get back, let's hit some of the hard news. Michael Pelka, Piro Pelka, we'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. 
Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Half hour from now, our friend, uh, our buddy, our pal, Dr. Wendy Patrick, uh, joins us to discuss some of the politics, some of the weekend stuff. Uh, wish you were here in person because we might be able to weasel our way into a little pina colada celebration. It's pina colada day. Um, just uh, through through the course of the early part of the show, some of you have joined in and weighed in. I've also reached out to our buddy Ernesto at NerdNesto on Twitter because he's up to something. He, I, he sent me the first chapter of his book, which was really, really interesting and, and wonderful at the same time. Story of his walking across the nation, most of the nation, to get... Um, to get to uh, the Pacific Coast and draw attention to um, the plight of our vets, and there is a there is news on the T-shirts that he was he was making, and so I want him to share it with you because these T-shirts are helping the vets, and I'm trying to focus more on on charities and and people that are doing good charitable work. I'd like to try and spotlight really vital charities and especially ones that we can use our our combined weight of importance to support obviously starting with Mercury One and the work that Mercury One is doing but there are there are myriad other charities out there that I think can can be um can be pushed forward in their missions by just a little bit of financial help or a little bit of a people power if you're so inclined, I'll give you an example of two that I support on a regular basis. And you know, you guys know I support a lot of military charities and a lot of VA charities. Uh, but there are two that that deal with kids. One is called Splashes of Hope. Splashes of Hope. And if you've ever seen a children's hospital, you know what a daunting place it can be. And we we've been talking about Charlie Gard now, and I can imagine what little 10-month-old Charlie Gard has been facing in hospitals with tubes sticking in them and all that stuff. And what they see in the hospital so often affects their attitude and how they handle the battles they face. And Charlie's probably not completely aware of everything around him, but many of the little ones who fight cancer, who fight all kinds of diseases during their protracted hospital stays, Many of their lives are made better when somebody comes in and decorates the place. And I've known the people from Splashes of Hope for, gosh, over a decade, maybe close to 15 years. And the whole thing came about when a woman was faced with her other half having a terminal illness and being in the hospital. And she went and visited him almost daily. And he eventually passed, but before he did, when he was bedridden, she was a painter, had studied painting and, and painted landscapes. And she painted the ceiling tiles in his hospital room to try and give him something to look at as he faced the end and faced the battle of his illness. And when she left the hospital, she said, I'd like to do this for the kids' ward. And the hospital's like, okay. 
So she started painting walls and ceilings of children's hospitals and children's hospital wings. And it's a total nonprofit. They're on a they're on a shoestring budget. They luckily get paint from Benjamin Moore donated. And I think one of the big box stores donates ceiling tiles regularly. So they they get the layout of the room and they get the ceiling tile numbers and then they paint them and put them in like you would put a puzzle together. But it's just a great charity. The, and it's splashesofhope.org, splashesofhope.org. And the other one, the other one's called the Pajama Program. And you probably saw this one on Oprah. But this is a woman who heard that kids waiting to be adopted often have virtually nothing in their lives, not any possessions, that when they are waiting to be adopted, when they're finally adopted, they leave with like a tiny black trash bag that has everything in their lives. Many of them go to sleep at night and don't have pajamas. Many of them go to sleep at night and, and don't have a book or anyone reading a bedtime story. So the lady behind Splashes of Hope set out to get a pair of pajamas and a kid's book in the hands of every kid waiting to be adopted in this country. And she's made some progress. Her name is Genevieve Pituro. Oprah had her on years ago, and that helped. But Oprah's gone, and outlets like that are not around to promote anymore. But Genevieve still works tirelessly every year, collecting pajamas, collecting books to give to kids waiting to be adopted. So my two picks today to highlight in terms of charities, if you want to take a look, splashesofhope.org and thepajamaprogram.org. Both of them rock solid, 501c3. The majority of the money they take in goes to help the causes they talk about. And could there be any better causes than... Kids either fighting a fight in a hospital or kids waiting to be adopted. We talked about what, what our future looks like. And I know I mentioned in the promo I'd be talking about education. Our guest on education is delayed today. But thank God that Stacy Rippey sent me a, a great article about the silent tragedy affecting today's children. It is a story that you need to read it is a story that talks about why we have the problems we have in the kids today. And I'm not just saying kids today. Kids today. I don't want to be the old guy talking about it. But this story talks about the problems with children, that kids are being deprived of what's known as a, the fundamentals of healthy childhood. And I, I knew what it was like to grow up in a great household with two parents there. And I know that can't always happen. But that is something that's powerful when it comes to what happens to a kid growing up. But even if you just have one parent, have an emotionally, emotionally available parent who is there to be a parent and not to be a best friend to actually be able to draw the line and say, no, 
this is this is where I teach and you learn. To be able to tell the kids it's it's going to be about eating right and going to sleep. To be able to tell kids that uh, they they've got responsibilities. They have things they have to do every single day. You you have chores. To be able to turn off the TV and the computers and or the cell phones and so that the kids actually have a human communication and are not beholden to the electronic world. To get kids off the couch and to get them outside. This story is a wonderful story. Uh, it was shared with me by Stacy. I'm going to share it with you guys. And I think it's something that well, I don't have kids. But I can tell this to my friends who do. I can give this to my friends who do. Because I think uh, the rest of us, the grown-ups here, the people that are past 50, we better start trying to build the world behind us or we're going to have a much tougher time at the end. We need a foundation being developed behind us or what's going to face us is going to be very difficult. So I know I, know I said I was going to get to hard news, but I wanted to make sure we started each, each day trying to throw a little light on good charities. And today's charities are about kids and this story about making sure we have good kids, making sure we stop um, this story, which is headlined The Silent Tragedy Affecting Today's Children by Victoria Pruday. She's an occupational therapist. I'll, I'll tweet out a link to it. But thank you, Stacy, for, for sending it in. This, this audience is so smart and so responsive. It's much appreciated. If you have a charity you think needs some love and attention, you just have to reach out to me. You can do it via Twitter. You can do it via email. And uh, I'd like to try and put spotlights on good charities as often as we can. Might only be one or two a week. It might be one or two every day. We have to work on doing some good as well as hooting and hollering about all the bad that's out there. Michael Pelka on Puro Pelka. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I'm, I'm going to get to the, uh, the Washington stuff in just a minute, but uh, we have some, some listeners in, in the great Northwest region, some who live in Oregon, and um, I might have to say goodbye to you people in Oregon. We might have to we might have to stop. We might have to put an Oregon filter. You know, you can do geo targeting. When when people listen or search, you can actually find out where they are if they're using the iHeartRadio app or if just on your computer, we can kind of identify what pockets of the country are tuning in. And we can geo target and send uh some some interesting thoughts to you, whether they're opportunities, their promotions, whatever. 
But I think we might need to geo-target Oregon and just block because Oregon, come on. Come on, Oregon. What the hell are you doing? Apparently, the Oregon legislature last week pushed through two bills that will decriminalize small amounts of six, six, count them, six hard drugs. Decriminalizing personal use of cocaine, heroin, methamphetamine, and ecstasy. Um, that's apparently uh, the HB 2355, which is uh, headed to the governor's desk, says that if the, if the person who has these drugs has neither a felony conviction nor more than two prior drug convictions on record, uh, they're going to be misdemeanors. In other words, this, this is a traffic ticket. I'm sorry, but I'm a believer in in deterrence on, especially on drugs like meth and ecstasy and cocaine and heroin. Oregon, what are you doing? One of the Dems in in Oregon told the Lund report that um, this locking people up for using these drugs is kind of like putting them in the state pen for having diabetes. He calls this a chronic brain disorder, and it needs to be treated this way. I, I, th- I think this is, um, this, is, this is acceptance of crime. He's, they've played this. Another, an, another state senator in Oregon, a Republican, claims the war on drug is currently institutional racism because of how frequently minorities are charged with drug crimes rather than, than white people. And I, I would tell you that's probably an enforcement racism versus uh, institutional racism. But this, this is not going to help you, Oregon. Oregon's already got some messed up stuff about it anyway. It's a beautiful part of the, of the nation, but now Heron... Meth, ecstasy, coke, all going to be decriminalized. I I need to see if the governor's going to sign these bills. We need to find out if, if in fact, these bills were signed and and placed placed into law. Do you want to live in a state where it's okay for people to be bouncing around uh, just because they have a small amount of meth on, on them? God knows what they have at home. We are enabling a nation, well, in this case, a state. We are enabling a a, a state of drug users. We are normalizing the the very addictive drugs that will take us down. I feel bad for people who are addicted. But to stop future addictions, you don't do so by decriminalizing or making it easier for people to sample. Especially when we know we have, we have not built exactly the strongest base, base of young Americans following up. We have made the, the um, adulthood get put on hold in so many people. We have a generation of folks who have just 
put adulthood on hold because, uh, well, because we let them do it. And now we're going to say it's okay. Cocaine, heroin, meth, ecstasy. No, it's just like the fact that you might have diabetes. It's a brain disease. Don't worry about it. Here's a ticket. Go home. Come back tomorrow. We'll, We'll talk. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.